On today's episode of Back of the Bird, we sit down with Riley Hutchcraft of the Rochester Nighthawks, chat about uh, his NLL career, also talk a lot of stuff about goaltending equipment and some philosophies about goaltending. Uh, also, stay tuned to our social media today and in the coming weeks for our NIL nominees for the first uh, player of the month. Also, chat about my trip to Montreal and some other news and notes around the league. Let's get into it. Episode 110 of Back of the Bird. Take your first ride and run, baby, run. If you want to sign, this is it. You're mad, your magic, you're as hard as a gun. You want to play with fire, consider this. You'll chase the thrill if it's worth it. Cause you never ever want to work for it. Take your first ride and run, baby. You got a spine of steel and a roar of thunder Yeah, you make me drown, yeah, you're pulling me under Oh, all right, we're back What episode are we on, Donnie? Uh, 110, I believe 110, 110 times Brought to you by Cottage Springs Get out there, try them out They got all the new stuff rolling into the LCBOs Um well, let's just dive into it, Polly. What is up, buddy? Nothing much, man. Um, you know, just just grinding away. Had actually, I've had an interesting week here. It's been good. You know, went to a farm today with my mom and two kids, and it was just like the muddiest farm plus slash just animal sh- shit everywhere. <laughs> so, I'm- did you bring him? No, no, Hank. Hank would have just torn up the place. But uh, <laughs> so Coco, my daughter, has started walking the last like couple of weeks. So she just wants to walk. So like we go there, and it's like, yeah, we had like a little like not a stroller, but like a plastic car. I'm like, I don't think we'll need it. Then like as we get in there, I'm like, I don't, and I don't think we would have been able to use it because it's like you're going into like a petting zoo, but it's like llamas, goats, chickens, just like a whole. Anyways. Like, no, like, two seconds in, she's just, like, falls down, hand and shit. Like, and it happened, like, oh. yeah. Well, there's just, there's shit everywhere. It's just, like, all <laughs> mud with shit. It was, it was a disaster. I mean, it was, like, it was fun, but it was just, like, actually, the whole time I was just thinking, like, your nephew when he was going to attack by the Pelicans. Like, nothing like that happened. They are all, like, pretty good. But, like, when we walked in, these two big boats – like my kids didn't see, but they're literally like headbutting each other, like doing like the headbutt. I'm like, is it safe to get in there? Like, <laughs> it was okay, so I don't know. It was fun. Yeah, there was just there was multiple multiple cleanups. Like, had to strip her down before she came in the car. Threw like shoes all in the back, straight in the wash. Shoes are still outside, just caked in whatever. But oh. you know, things you do for your kids, man. Yeah. I get that I don't get it. Um, but hey, what what else was what was this little dinner you had? Yeah, so we so my sister, um my second older sister, Billy Greer's wife, Ash, avid listener, loves just is enthralled with your love life too. So just maybe get a little update on that. So she Yeah, no problem. New segment each week. <laughs> but uh 
Yeah, I mean, like, just as you get older, right? Like, what do you get your parents? Like, you know, they don't want anything. Just like you don't want anything. So, anyways, we've gone to a cut. We've used to, like, go to shows all the time. So, anyways, my sister found this thing. It's like a, whatever you call it, like an immersive dinner experience, like an ABBA dinner experience. So, like, yeah, yeah, August, we buy the tickets. And this Sunday was, was the dinner. So, I was kind of thinking, like, it was gonna be like a concert that you like i don't know what i was expecting but it was like right at uh pretty much young and dundas square this like little uh, mediterranean restaurant there's probably only like 75 people like a smaller restaurant so you get up have your own table so i was like okay like then kind of figured out like okay they'll just be performing walking around but so it's four people it's two girls two guys and they kind of do like if you've seen the movie mama mia or the play they kind of do that like as you're eating but man, these two guys were just electric. Like the one guy, so funny. Like <laughs> it's just like me and my brother kept like we've never seen a guy move his hips like that. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so then, like it's a great time. Like they get you involved, singing. I sing you some of their videos, dancing and and whatever. And then uh, my mom's like, "Okay, hey, we gotta get a picture with them at the end." So we get a picture with them. And then my brother like leans over to the guy and he's like, Hey man, like I've never seen a guy move his hips like that. The guy's like, when was the last time? And my brother's like, uh, 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 uh. (laughs) (laughs) so it's just like, he like missed the, he missed like the joke, but it was, it was amazing. So yeah, it was a fun, fun time, man. Fun time had by all. That's awesome, man. Those videos were, were pretty good. But, um, Donnie, what about you, buddy? What's going on? Uh, I'm great. Uh, ready to play this weekend. We play Sunday, so a bit of a long week for us. And I had a lacrosse field weekend. I went to Montreal on Friday, uh, well, Thursday, and then Friday for the Unbox game, which we can talk about here in a little bit. And then uh, went back to Cornell for the first time since uh, first time since my sophomore year. Junior year, we didn't play at home. Senior year, we didn't play at all. And then, uh, you know, I've been on the road for a while since then. So uh, it was awesome being back at Cornell. Uh, they look great. A bunch of Canadians played really well. Willem Firth uh, scored four goals. It was it was just awesome to be back. And uh, a couple pops after the game to remind yourself that uh, I'm old and don't got it anymore. At least not like the college guys got it. And and uh, you know a drive Sunday morning to really remind yourself that you don't have it like you did in college too. So yeah, no good weekend. Uh, That's a lot of driving for you. Yeah, it was Jeez. it was a lot. Um, Anyways, just, went to Cornell. Me either. Yeah, it was, so it's five. It was five from from uh, uh, Montreal to Ithaca, and then uh, to Cornell, and then four hours home. So it was, it was a lot. I uh, I had some upstate weather around Syracuse. Started fishtailing for a second. Uh, I'm sure everyone's been there at least once. Really like hopeless feeling. You're just yeah. like. And, you know, kind of snap back and I was okay. But yeah. <laughs> for a second, you're like, uh, am I in one or like am I fucking in one here? So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was joking with the boys when I got to Cornell, a couple of my classmates there. I was like, can confirm my heart still works. Uh, yeah. Because I, I felt there. So. And That's I cool. need new underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I need to go use the, the locker room. Um, yeah. So why don't we talk about um, about Montreal? You know, I got a couple thoughts um, I like it. about it. Uh, made made some notes. The old notes app, classic move here. So uh, first of all, a couple people came up to me 
uh, who are back of the bird fans. I uh, just want to say thank you to them. Really appreciate that. It was, uh, it was great chatting. It's always great uh, hearing people that listen. It means a lot to us every time we hear it. So I uh, just want to be, be clear on that, but you know, I don't know if you guys uh, had a chance to watch it. It was, it was a great event. It was, uh, it was packed house, uh, super uh, engaged audience. It was full like way before the, the gates opened uh, or like there's long lines before the gates opened and, and something I think that is, is interesting that I heard is that uh, the luxury boxes at Plas Bell, they uh, like if you own them, you own them for everything. So and oh, they're wow. not sold on like an event by event basis. It's like you either have them or you don't. And if there were like forty of them, I would say like thirty five of them were full. And so the league didn't even like sell those. Like they just those are just people who own them who were like curious enough about the event to come out and watch. That's cool. Um, so I thought that was, uh, thought that was pretty cool. A couple other, um, a couple other things I thought were interesting. Uh, one, they had a, they had French referees. Uh, forgive me. I, I, I should look up his name, uh, but he's one of our regular refs who also speaks French. So when he would make announcements, he would do it in French, which I thought was a nice touch by the league. And yep. then uh, Steph Charbonneau was there as well. He plays for Vancouver. Uh, he was there watching the game. He, I believe, grew up in Ontario, but he's francophone. So he did like a French interview on the Jumbotron uh, talking about the game and the sport, which, again, I just thought was was a good touch. And and something I wanted to connect the dots on, too, is I, I talked to someone today who played in the game, and they said the turf was good. Uh, you know, it looked good on – I was going to ask that. Yeah, so it, it it goes in in like little squares. So it's like a series of squares. And then I was I was in there on Thursday. It's like a mower thing that they, they basically take this mower to like basically like get rid of all the seams between the squares. I saw that. Uh, they know if they were cutting the grass or what they were doing. It's crazy, man. It, like, it legit looks and sounds like a mower. Um, and yeah, apparently it like wasn't. Sl- like a giant, so it's like a giant comb almost? Yeah, pretty much. It's like a, a spinning comb thing, but but it, it lies flat, obviously, because it's all the squares. And because yeah. when you store them, you can stack them right on top of each other. I think that's why typically the turfs, at least in my understanding, get uh, lumpy is because they get stored in in rolls. Like rolls. Yeah. rolls. And then the rolls get stacked on top of each other to save space too. So then it like compresses them and kind of makes them weird. So the grid, the grid system seemed to work uh, you know, well, it looked maybe a little bit funky uh, to the eye, but that's just because it's different. So anyways, yeah. that was a long way of saying, you know, I think the turf uh, was a success. And then the last, uh, you know, last thing I want to say is the NLL did a great job with merch. Uh, they had Montreal unboxed merch there. They had one that said, it said uh, beer, and then it had the Kistores logo and then lacrosse. So beer, beavers, and lacrosse. Uh, which I thought was a nice, uh, a nice <laughs> one, and uh, um, and then a bunch of nice like they had a bunch of like non New York or Toronto, uh, merch there, Montreal and box stuff. So just thought it was a good, good touch by them, and uh, you know I'm glad our my bye weeks kind of synced up at the right time because it was it was a cool event to take part of, and and lots of people I knew there, lots of people that you guys would know as well. So it was, it was nice to see some people haven't seen in a while and, and just taking the game. Yeah. It looked cool. I watched, I watched the game. It was, 
yeah, it was, it was, it looked like a great product and it looked like everyone was like cheering quite a bit. It sounded like people were booing Toronto right out of the gate, which is like kind of cool just to have that passion right away. And then, and then, you know, have a pretty good game to, to watch too. Lots of, lots of talent on display there. So it was a, it was a good one. Yeah. From a promotional perspective, it was a good game too. Obviously you had a fight, um, you know, lots of goals. You had to come back. I would say the biggest fan base was like neutral. Um, you know, there's a lot of Toronto fans and some New York fans as well, but I would say the majority of people were there to kind of like take in the spectacle, I would say. And there was definitely some anti Toronto stuff too of like, I know I'm not cheering for, I might not be cheering for New York, but I'm cheering against Toronto. Yeah. Uh, the guys beside me in a very thick French accent kept yelling, fuck Toronto. And, uh, it predictably got worse as they got drunker and drunker. So you'd love that. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Um, what's, uh, I mean, I guess we can kind of transition. Like it, it seems like a good little segue. New York, obviously playing in that game. Um, we're recording this Wednesday night. I have to just think about what day it was because these weeks are crazy. But um, they've uh, they've announced they're moving to Ottawa. So um, is I guess and I guess that's effective next year. It sounds like they're going to be p- playing out of the arena that's in Canada. Um, yeah, so they're that. playing out of Canadian Tire Center, uh, which is the the Senators' rink, which is in Canada, um, and it's still owned by GF Sports and Entertainment, which I think. Uh, in partnership with the Senators. So I think that might be a detail that some folks missed. I certainly was under the impression that if it was going to Ottawa, it was going to be fully Senators. Um, and then the, the league put out a press release today uh, explaining the whole thing. So, yeah, it's a partnership between the existing Riptide owners and the Senators. Interesting. I didn't realize that either. I, I'd be interested to know kind of the, the... – the breakdown of that partner said partnership, but it sounds is and is Sensplex is that something that's already built or is that something that's going to be built and then they're going to have a practice facility there? That's a good question. Uh, I I don't know. I'll look it up though. Okay, yeah, because it obviously there's you know with with the whole um, like selling of the senators and everything to Amlauer and uh, part of that plan was to like build the arena downtown and um, and shift to there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of like how that transforms over the next couple of years. Cause I know Sense, it's a five-year deal. Yeah. Senseplex already exists. Okay. Yeah. So they have a practice facility there too. So, um, that'll be interesting. Obviously that that's something that's nice. It'll be, cause I think they're a midweek practice team now. So I guess they'll be going back to the Fridays. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how this transforms. And, but again, I think it's, um, for a city that has been getting, bad news after bad news in terms of like this whole junior junior a team debacle and everything um i think getting this is is big for ottawa lacrosse and i think it'll be great for for years to come if they can you know fill that place and get people to go to those games and you know more kids are going to be able to get a clear-cut view of where they can end up playing so it'll be uh i think it's a great opportunity i also saw that um beaches and orangeville are going to be playing a game in nepean did you guys see that i i saw that too that just got announced, this is like, this is wild. Like, this just put a team there. Like, what are we yeah. doing? Let's I have that's so funny. there. And then, like, it's moving like in. I know, this has, I know it has nothing to do with, like, the NLL, but it's like, there's a team there now. We're doing an exhibition game. Like, we just turned down a junior A team. Like, what are we doing? Let's just put a junior A team there and figure it yeah. out. Like, yeah. 
I think it's it's got to be kind of like a petty move to do that exhibition game there, like to the people that voted that was, no. I mean, that's how I kind of took it. It was just like, like almost like a slap in the face a little bit, like how I took it. Like, okay, this is exciting. Now we're going to have an exhibition game. It's like we just tried for two years to get a team in here. Like what, what are we doing? It's awesome. But anyways, I, live I live for the lacrosse drama. Yeah. Um, what's – I mean, again, obviously great event, great announcement, um, exciting stuff. I don't know. Maybe we'll see another team, a team come to Montreal too. So now that could be a little rivalry, Ottawa-Montreal. Uh, another thing I wanted to actually note on this, um, and you know, we had Commissioner Fruit on to talk about this, so it's not really a surprise, but the Ottawa Unboxed uh, branding that they announced is not was not Black Bears. So – um, you know, the idea that new expansion, it was supposed to be the Ottawa electrics and then, you know, the, the Senator's logo and color branding seems like it's all consistent with black bears. So don't necessarily assume that if these other markets get teams that they'll take those unboxed. Oh, names. that's a good nugget. That's a really good nugget, Donnie. Nice yeah. work. There you go. That's, that's our research. Ottawa was one of the unboxed things. Yep. Ottawa electrics. Must've missed that one. Oops. <laughs> That's how we got our research guide, Polly. Um, should we do we want to maybe leave our uh the last two p- part of the banter for for after our interview? Sure. Yep, good with me. All right. Well, we got Riley Hutchcraft this week. We didn't tell you that, but now you know. Um, and it's brought to you by Lucky Penny Media. At Lucky Penny Media, we're a full service marketing company without hefty agency pricing. We understand your brand is everything to you and working together means everything to us. More than just a client, you're a partner and a teammate. Our philosophy is simple. You grow, I grow, we grow. So here he is, Riley Hutchcraft. Sorry. All right. This Mimico native played his minor and junior lacrosse for the Mimico Mountaineers, except for a brief stop in Brampton, which we'll talk about where he led the Mimico Mountaineers to the 2017 Minto Cup. He was selected in the third round of the 2017 NLL Draft by the Toronto Rock, where he played his first four seasons in the NLL. After getting traded to Rochester Nighthawks, he has taken over the starting role for the Hawks this season. Most importantly, he is one of the unluckiest players in the world, having the misfortune to play with all three members of the Back of the Bird. Welcome to the Back of the Bird, Riley Hutchcraft. There you go. Thanks, Donnie. Appreciate that intro. A little better. I got. I fixed my errors from last time. So. Yeah. No, I appreciate that little. Uh, he added it this uh, time, and I appreciate it. Yeah. That's yeah, the. Yeah. I guess that's the nice part of us having to. For those that don't know, for us having to do this twice, um, is we can kind of just pretend that we didn't make any mistakes the first time. It's like a little dry run. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. we had all the, if we had all the time in the world, we could do that for everybody. Although I think. You're in a you're in a you're on a short list. I think it might be uh, Sean Evans is the only other one, maybe. Um, what one of which we did three times, I think. Yeah, that's so. good. I I hope we could just do this in in two. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the plan. But let's. Uh, for the let's listeners kind of have no idea what yeah. we're talking about. We uh, we recorded an interview with Hutch last week, and uh, audio wasn't great, so we're doing it again. That's. That's we're in the re-record, so hopefully, hopefully we can bang it out today. I feel confident. Though. Let's go. All right. Well, and and so listeners know it's all Hutchie's fault. So 
because we like just because we like him so much we gave him a second try exactly and now i get to look at your face again Nice and yeah. close this time, Polly. I know yeah. on the cell phone. Oh, this is gonna make this is gonna make for absolutely <laughs> amazing video with just the 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 tornado of having children in the background, which is it's relatable <laughs> content. Oh, what's that? Is that a Canada jersey back there? Where? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Danny. Oh, hold on a sec. This is Jesus. <laughs> oh my God! How did I not know how to figure this out? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Wow. There. There. If the listeners at home, well, let's get through the junk here. This is this is what you call your elite, elite podcasting. We're getting a jersey tour up, like literally zoomed in jersey tour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on. Yeah. Just a classic. Little classic brother, dad. big brother. Classic dad doesn't know how to use his phone. Yeah. Eventually, <laughs> we'll, we'll throw him on the wall here. Who knows? That's a cool at picture, though. That. The Blazers yeah. one's really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Oh. It was in my dad's basement for uh, for a long time. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, I ended up, long story short, I passed it down on a breakaway. So that's right after he scores from a pass for me. And then some guy caught it on, on camera, and then my dad uh, blew it up. So, yes, it'd be pretty cool. I'll put it up here in the basement at some point. Um, nice. Yeah, just have to, get all the, have to get all the laundry done first. <laughs> 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 that's step one but let's uh let's kind of jump into it man hachi what's um what's going on how are things right now for you uh everything's pretty good we're in that part of the season where it feels like everything's in in fast forward yeah you, you play a game on saturday and next thing you know you're on a plane or you're traveling somewhere to uh to play again so uh that's pretty much our lives all in a nutshell right there uh but mixed in there i have a a young son that I took swimming tonight to swimming lessons. So he keeps me busy uh, on the days that we don't have lacrosse. Hey, last time we, uh, last time we chatted, he was going, I think to, to, to martial arts class. What, what is he, uh, what is he kind of taking to more? What's he enjoying more the swimming or the, or the wrestling? I think he likes the swimming a little bit more. He doesn't okay. have uh he doesn't have the doesn't instructors. Have a guy dunking him in the, <laughs> doesn't have a guy dunking him in the deep end, telling him to start swimming yeah. with no floaties on. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have the instructor just body slamming him into the mat. So he he has a little bit more free range in the the swimming pool. But uh, yeah, no, he loves the swimming pool. He jumps in and he splashes. He he pours the water on my head. So it's good. Keeps him busy. Keeps me busy. This is going to sound like a stupid, naive guy with no kids question. When do kids like swim on their own? Um, like, honestly, de- depends, man. Really, like you see those videos, they're like newborns that start swimming. Really just depends on how quick you get them in the water and like how quick they take to less. Hold on. What really. do you mean? What do you mean newborns are swimming? I know what Paulie's talking but, about. Like people start really? their kids at lessons, like, cause you got to, you can teach them how to like roll over basically. Right. Is Dude, it will blow your mind. So we joked about like getting dunked in the deep end. Go, go Instagram or YouTube, and I'm telling you, literally, not newborns, but probably less than a year, and these people are just flinging them into the <laughs> deep end, and then they like figure it out. They like roll over and they kind of get out and they can kind of swim, so they they get on their back. Dude, it is like anxiety filled TV to watch it. It's nuts. <laughs> 
I feel like I'm gonna have the FBI at my door if that's like if they <laughs> yeah, see the yeah. in. <laughs> it's gonna get you on some list that you don't want to be on. But yeah, I will they, be looking into it because that's that's got me curious, Polly. Yeah, our uh, our swimming lessons, like the first ones we did a couple years or I guess a year ago now, uh, they make you like take your kid and put them right under the water and then bring them back up. And they just expect them. I guess it's a, a human reflex or something that they just know what to do when they get put underwater. It's Did called the mammalian. Yeah, it's called the mammalian mammalian dive reflex. There you go. That's a fun wow. fact. I'm keeping, I'm keeping that in my back pocket. It sounds oh. Holy shit. Wow. Good thing you know well, what it was. On that yeah. note. What was uh, what was it like growing up in Mimico? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember getting dunked in the pool. I don't remember getting dunked in the pool, but uh, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. Uh, like we talked about uh, last time, it was just like uh, it was like a family growing up. Uh, we I started playing when I was three years old when my uh, old man uh, put me into it and. Uh, we kind of had the same kids growing up since uh, Baby Peanut, it was called. And um, yeah, we kind of grew up all the way through till our last year of junior, the same, I think, eight or nine uh, guy, core guys on that team. And it was pretty special. Who were some of the guys? Who are uh, some, some of the guys of the... that are still playing in this league? Yeah, so the guys in uh, this at this league right now would be uh, Jackson Subak, um, Warren Jeffrey. Um, those two guys are um, playing in this league, and then a handful of them are playing in the LL, like Josh Taguri. And Clark as well, Haji. Yeah, sorry. Right. Clark, Clark was a part of that uh, core group too. I don't want to forget him. That's a pretty elite group. Did you guys do a lot of winning growing up? Uh, we joke about it. We were the best third place team on Ontario because we we played against uh, we played against like uh, Whippy, who had uh, at the time Justin Lemke, Dawson Theed, um, Bryce Yetman was the guy. Uh, they were they were all pretty good. And then around Bantam, they left and followed the hockey route. Uh, so we competed against Whippy and Orangeville, who had Jeff Henrik, um, Randy Black. They had Hearts and Ned every second year. And then who else? We would play against Brandon. Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. They had Teeter, Connor McClelland. Like there was just a, a good age group. And we were the, we were lucky to win maybe six or seven bronze medals throughout that time. I keep hearing that McClelland name. Did he play? Does he play like still play lacrosse or does he not play anymore? Yeah. He plays the Sask. <laughs> yeah. Oh really? Nice. Check, the, check the fucking game notes, Danny. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I, I recognize. I don't know every. I'm, Paulie, do you know that time when you got like to the point? I mean, I know. this may have been I know twice over no, to you. No. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. Good for him. Congrats on the success, buddy. I'm. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I heard a lot about that's, you. Yeah, yeah. I played that's with. Uh, I played with Connor's older brother Ryan. Oh yeah. One of the all-time biggest beauties in the league. We got to get uh, – I can't tell a story because my brother should tell it, but he played for Team Canada um, outdoor. Um, he was he played a little bit in this league too. I played with him in Philly. But uh, he played outdoor, I want to say maybe in Manchester, so whatever that was, call it like 2012 maybe. 20, 2010, yeah. 
2010 okay but uh my brother like this guy so he would have been like fresh out of university and like my brother kind of knew him from playing in brampton like he may have been a ball boy when my brother was growing up but uh first thing he says to my brother he's like call me the dragon get a self nickname <laughs> the dragon and my That's brother strange. like yeah my brother just had like had his way with him but just love this guy just kind of had him on a leash like would do whatever my brother said in manchester but just all-time beauty man great guy the dragon i gotta come up with a nickname for myself i think yeah <laughs> you already have one rj 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 he's already got one rj you don't need another <laughs> maybe i mean obviously last time we sat down and talked about it but um walk us through kind of like your old man and, and his involvement with the game when maybe he was growing up and then kind of how much it's it's influenced you in playing yeah it's uh it's it's honestly why i play the game uh he he played growing up he played for the uh etobicoke eclipse um so his claim to fame he says is he got to play against uh jt um and he uh so he played growing up, he played for the Eclipse and Hamilton Bengals. Um, but yeah, his involvement uh, is, is one that stuck with me. Like he never coached me growing up, uh, but he was always around. He was, uh, he ended up being the equipment manager of the junior A team and he kind of helped out when he could. And he was the guy who uh, barbecued on, uh, on the weekends at Tent City. And uh, he was just, someone that always was there to to lend a hand to the boys which was uh pretty special growing up to have them so close not in a coaching aspect but uh someone to that was like supportive the whole way do you say tent city tent city tent so the so tent like city setup at the provincials yeah, that was what? our setup at the provincials. So, like I was talking about last week, we would always we get there two or three hours early before the games, and our parents would uh, wheel out the tents, like the like um, party tents, canopies, yeah, and yeah, canopies and whatnot. And they would like set them up, and there would be at sometimes like six tents in this backfield at uh, Iroquois Park, and it was just to give us shade throughout uh, the intermissions Man. between games and whatnot. Oh. I don't know. I got my idiot hat on today. I thought you were just telling me that your dad barbecued for barbecued for the homeless. <laughs> Basically, he's down in Tent City, just I mean, growing up for the boys. If, they were, if the homeless were smart, they would have found their way to the Ontario Summer or the Ontario Lacrosse Festival. They, they would have got some food. And the thing, yeah, the thing, the thing about that is, like, if they showed up, the homeless showed up. My, our parents would probably have like a three course meal for them because. They would be cooking all day. Like I don't know, like what they were thinking when they they like planned for meals. But there was some times where we would leave with trays of food in the back of our car, and it's like, well, that was uh, that was poor <laughs> yeah, planning. Must have but yeah, it was it, it was it was good for me because then I would have lunch for the next couple of days. But then you go to the tournament and you have the same uh, same meal again next. <laughs> next week it's just like you're are you getting on, on them are you getting on them to change it up a little maybe like listen i'm getting kind of sick of this can we can we yeah. get something new or was it that good and that you're like no it was it was that good like some of the stuff you you wanted to repeat and then there was some stuff that you're like oh maybe we change it up this week and then that's where the pork sandwiches came into to play that donnie was talking about last week i was like something that needs to be quick like a sandwich or something and he couldn't go out and just buy like a cold cut uh 
package from the grocery store. He had to take it above and beyond and he had to go to Costco and get the pull the full pork roast and cut it up and marinate it and get it on the barbecue. I actually, I, I sent a uh, message like this is a couple of years ago now, but I actually messaged your dad on Facebook one time and got the recipe for the pork. It's, it's unbelievable. It's just very simple and stuff, but anyways, yeah. The pork Can we give that sense. secret away or no? Yeah, yeah it was, well, it, I'm it, sure it was, if you uh, asked, you'd give the secret away. Go yeah, ahead. maybe we maybe we make a maybe we just pump out a, a nice graphic of of Mr. Mr. Hutchie's classic recipe and, we should. and pump it out. To I, I'll, let me see yeah. if I still got it. It's uh like olive oil, soy sauce. It's got munch. Whoa, 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 whoa. We gotta ask permission first. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. all right. I'll send it up the chain of command. And then I'll, yeah, you, <laughs> might be getting a, you might be getting assassinated if you put this out to the public. Hey, look, right cease and desist. Lacrosse culture is just gonna have a recipes tab now on the website. Yeah. That honestly yeah. wouldn't be a bad idea. You can make a lacrosse cookbook for for, for road trips. Tailgate cookbook. Yeah. I like it. The, the Lomas household would just be two meatball subs, 19 cans of Powerade, and as much of a sunburn as you can get in between. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, okay, so, I mean, we're on that. We're kind of on that, that, I don't even know what category, I guess you could say, but um, <laughs> subject was the word I was looking for. Um, what's the story behind the cookie monster? Yeah, so uh, growing, growing up, uh, I said it uh, last time I was, I was at practice one time and I made a big save and one of my coaches yells the Mimico monster. And my dad ate that up. And next thing I know, I had a, a cookie monster sticker on the, the little dangler. And then it kind of grew from there. I made team Ontario in my midget year and they uh, offered to buy me a pair of pants. So I uh, got the guy who was doing it at the time, Joe Kenny uh, from RYR sports uh, to stitch the, um, cookie monster on the back of my pants and then I kind of wore those pants all through junior and then when I got to the NLL uh, and designed my first mask I uh, I put it on the my first mask there it was the cookie monster in the front and then uh, a brick wall in the back so it kind of stuck with me since that practice is there uh are those kind of the go-to now like you say I remember you saying you kind of get a mask every two years. So like Cookie Monster, Brick Wall, those always be like two things you always incorporate or be anything else you always incorporate? Yeah, so um, the top of the mask, like the front of the mask um, changes. Like I've changed it uh, three times now. Uh, but the back of the, the back plate kind of stays consistent. I have um, the Brick Wall and then I put the Cookie Monster back there as well. And then I have the uh, three, I have three hearts on the back, just signifying my, uh, my family, just me, my wife and my, uh, my son. And then I have the every child matters uh, sticker kind of put on there. So the back plate is something that like I can personalize. And then the front plate or the front part of the mask is like kind of go with the team uh, colors and designs and stuff. How does that work, Hachi? How does that process work with, like, coordinating between the team, whoever is the artist, and, like, do you use the same artist across, like, using different associations now? How does that work? Yeah, so uh, in my – I always wore a field mask growing up. So in my first year, uh, Rosie was getting a mask, and he asked me if I wanted one. So I made the switch then, and he put me on to uh, the guy from Sports Mask is the hockey helmet provider. And then Rosie had a paint guy in Oshawa and he 
put me onto him and he did a great job with my first mask. So I stuck with him and he kind of works with uh, the sports mask guy and he puts a price together and then they build the, the organization. But uh, I think like 13 or 14 of the goalies uh, in the NL use him now just through like word of mouth, like Rosie, I think was the first guy to uh, use him when he first got his mask painted. And then I did it and then Troy did it. And it kind of just chain effect from there. That's awesome. We should get that yeah. guy on sometime. That'd be, that'd yeah, be that'd be cool. Content. Yeah. Donnie, that's the video content for you. That's how I was just yeah. thinking. Um, he, he does a great job and it's like, it's one of those things like I know uh, like my first mask, I had no idea like kind of like what I wanted to do. And I told them like, this is kind of the idea. And he was like, let me work with it and send me a couple pictures. And he's just, he was great and knocked it out of the park the first time. So uh, same with the second one and the, th- and the third one. So it's, it's just one of those things that you give him an idea and he, he's able to run with it. Let's uh let's transition because we we talked about this the last time. I thought it was interesting to talking about your gear now. So one thing that mm-hmm. I thought like you mentioned you you use the same pants your whole junior career. And a lot of players, uh you know, other than helmets and gloves and sticks, a lot of players use the same protective gear. But you guys actually have to switch gear pretty much by rule, right? So can you explain to people I don't actually necessarily know how that process works. So how does your goalie gear get kind of like all coordinated through the league, Bodum, and then you guys have to use the new stuff, correct? Yeah, so it, it all depends on like kind of year to year what the measurements are. Like the last like two or three years, um, they have had measurement changes. So we've had to use the new gear every year type thing. Uh, but it kind of goes off of uh, your measurements. So you get initial measurements at the beginning of the year as a goalie. So you go in and you get your weight done. You get uh, like how tall your shoulders are, how tall you are. And then you get a specific measurement that you can expand your shoulder caps by. Uh, And then your leg pads uh, have a specific measurement. And um, you get the leg pads and they're super skinny. So you have to uh, take them. And what I said last time was I put them under my couch and I sit on them for a couple couple days or or a week and they kind of expand and um that's how they they go but by using them so much they kind of expand all the time so by the time the next year comes around you kind of have to use the new the new stuff that's given to you anyways uh so it is tough it's a challenging type thing to do but all the goalies in the league kind of do it and yeah do you know like what would be some other ways that other guys like get the like the couch thing is kind of hilarious like what what do other guys what what's like the craziest thing i guess you've heard someone do the craziest thing i've seen someone do was uh brendan miller my rookie year he was the backup goalie for toronto and we had got our new stuff and i i didn't know what to do with it so uh rosie was doing his stuff and i see b walk towards the showers and he throws it in the shower and he turns the shower on and just lets the water hit it for like the whole practice i was like what is he what are you doing there and he was like yeah i need to let the water hit it or it's too stiff for me so like you got guys like him just throwing it in the shower and letting the water hit it rosie puts it uh in toronto we had stalls that uh flipped up he would put his pads in there and then put a couple water jugs on them just to expand the the pads that way 
but yeah, there's some there's some crazy stuff that uh, don't guys yeah. like run them over with their car. Yeah, that's what I I was just about to say. I think cause back in the day, you probably get his truck over top of them to to get. Uh, <laughs> they not like does the plastic expand. never break? Like the I in my time, like using Bodum, I think he's the most durable. Like I've never seen anything crack or break or do anything. Like I've jumped on them pretty good and. I've seen like like we just said cause I heard ran them over for this truck so they're pretty uh pretty durable. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. That'll do. So when you like when you go pregame and you get measured by the refs, they're obviously they're doing like I've seen the tool. There's like the big wooden tool they use for your shoulders and stuff. Is there anything that they use on your legs to see? Like, is there a width rule on those leg pads? Yeah. So. Um, the calipers they use them all the way down towards the legs so they just like they fold and then on the legs there's a there's three different measurements there's a measurement for the top of the leg the middle of the leg and then the ankle and uh, they just use the calipers to make sure that you uh you fit those measurements so that's another thing fans probably don't know the goalies have a measurement like 10 minutes 15 minutes before every game with the referees you go back into a back room and yeah so and they so we, yeah so we walk in there and they they take our jerseys off they measure our jerseys to make sure that they're not like too big uh they measure our shoulders our um our hips making sure our pants are on our hips and then they measure our pads making sure that we don't uh that we're not cheating so have you heard of you guys, Polly? This, I mean, more for you, obviously, too. But like, have you guys ever seen an NLL goalie get caught with illegal? Uh, um, uh, I don't think NLL. And then uh, Hutchie, I don't. I mean, maybe you can answer this. If someone came in illegal, they have a chance to go back and make it not illegal, right? Is that kind of how it works? Like, say, if you're <laughs> off on a measurement or is it just like hey yeah you're illegal so you might get caught or how does that kind of work yeah so my uh my rookie year funny story i uh first time i ever got to play uh b mill got uh got hurt so i was in vancouver and my stuff was just like expanded to the max like i i didn't know there was specific measurements that you had to go into so when i went into the the uh, change room I was off by like a couple inches everywhere and uh, they, they do give you uh, a chance to fix it, but it has to be in the ref's room. You can't go back out into oh, okay, the, okay. the hallway or not. Uh, and okay, then it's going to be right then in there. Yeah. So if you're off measurement uh, after that, then you get fined and you start the game with like a two minute penalty or something like that. Okay. It's good to know. So basically, yeah, I mean, basically Lomas, like I think, I assume teams can still call for a measurement and then if the guy was illegal, but I haven't seen it. Um, honestly, I mean, I, I remember, but I don't think, uh, I don't think I've ever seen, it. I got a funny story actually. When I was, well, <laughs> you just had a conversation with yourself. That was alert, awesome. alert, alert. Stop what you're doing. All he's got is for. No, go. but like, well, so one of the first, like, uh, so I got called up in major for, uh, to play against, uh, for the Brampton major Excelsior. We were playing St. Regis 
and I can't remember who the starter was. Oh, it was Patty Campbell. So we play. Patty Campbell gets in a fight, gets kicked out because during a stoppage of play, gets kicked out. So in I come. And then um, literally like within the first couple of shifts. So this was when like equipment was just coming through, like getting measures, stuff like that. So I had, Bodum didn't have leg pads at that point. I still had um, the first kind of iteration. You guys wouldn't even know of the leg pad. I can't remember what they're called. But I didn't do the top parts up. Like, I would just leave the top parts undone. So I had, like, string just, like, on them. Like, they weren't done up. And I had, like, again, I played all junior with them, and it was never, like, a big deal. Anyways, so to come full circle, JT calls my leg pads. Ref comes over. He's like, they're not done up. Illegal. You're out of the game. So I get kicked out. We had to put Sean (laughs) Summerfield who some people I know, but like big, tough guy, like big boy, 250. He ends up going to net. Thank God we were up by like, say, 10 goals. So he comes in and he's like literally fish out of water. No idea what's going on. So they like make a game of it. We end up still winning. But if we weren't up by like 10 goals, we would have lost the game. Anyway, so that's just a quick funny story. I got I got the boot for legal equipment one time. That's amazing. I got another question about gear while we're on the subject. Um, my, my brother was a goalie and growing up, like always had issues with his hands. Um, and I know guys used to do different things. Guys just wear the Eagle gloves and stuff. Uh, do you guys have any issues with your hands anymore? Or is it pretty much like the gloves are good to go? Like, is there, is there much kind of uh, rigging that you have to do with the gloves or it's pretty much good to go? Yeah, no, the, the gloves still, still need a little work. And I think that's the next thing that, um, we need to figure out is because the reason I went in in S- Saskatchewan was because Hart's uh, hurt his hand in warm up because the gloves weren't uh, weren't weren't the greatest and yeah it's just I think it's just by getting hit so much it's like we're getting hit there every every practice at least twenty to thirty times a, t- uh, a horseshoe or you know in drills and they just break down and it's the pad gets weaker and whatnot, but yeah, we still have issues with our hands, but now uh, Bodum came out with this, uh, it's called the knuckle buster and you put it over top of your glove and it kind of, it adds a layer of protection. And that's what we use for, for practice and, and whatnot. That, that's, but, what they, that's what they called. That's what they called Paul in high school. The knuckle yeah, buster. My, my late, it's my late night move. <laughs> that was that, that was all time Tom Pauly met Dory exactly <laughs> gave the knuckle buster oh god um, but yeah on that on that note Ralphie's hand was all like bunged up whatever everyone's like alright just like avoid his hand don't don't shoot at oh, it yeah. Fieldsy's always buzzing the tower on the goal he's hitting him in the head this time, okay, don't shoot low. Like, don't hit him in the hand. Like, he's going to reach his hand down if you shoot to the low corner. First shot as hard as he can, low corner, hits him right in the hand. Just, yeah. like, just <laughs> right, on, right on brand. Yeah, Ralphie um, came to me that Ralphie came to me that morning, and he was like, oh, my hand, I just got hurt in the hand, blah, blah, blah. And then in warm-up, like, Lomi was just saying, Fieldy steps into his shot. Usually it's 10 feet over the net. This time it was like perfectly down near where you would put your hand to make a freehand save. Ralphie sticks his hand out and just blows it up. And it's like, 
and then Ralphie bad. looks in the cor- looks to the corner at me. He's like, and I just knew I was like, oh boy, here we go. Like, yeah, he's in. Hey, so that that brings up another good topic. Um, you know, I want Paul's opinion on this, and and Hutch, your opinion. Every in warm up, every old guy in the league is shooting the score in warm up. There's a train of thought among some goalies that the defenders should be hitting the starting goalie all throughout warm up to basically boost confidence. I'd say, Paul, you go first here. Do you, what? What's your take? Do you think defenders should shoot for the goalie, or are you just trying to get your patented bouncer to the top corner going? Yeah, no, I mean, for me, and I think like. Again, I'll say, like, if you watch the two half circles between the starter and the uh, backup, the uh, the velocity and uh, maybe the placement of the ball dials up a little bit once the backup goes in. But, uh, yeah, I kind of have a rule of thumb. And so I'll go from a goalie st- my, when I was a goalie. I didn't really care, to be honest. Like, I'd like, like the first, whatever, one, two minutes, like, just touch me up a little bit just so I can get the feel of the ball. And then it was kind of no holds bar for me. I didn't care, you know, where you were shooting. But from my standpoint now and kind of how I've always been my whole career is starters will always get touched up. Like, again, I'm either like pumping at five hole or I'm throwing like a muffin top right just so you can like maybe get a step into it. But backups, yeah, I'm trying to score. I'm, I'm, I'm dialing up a little bit. Yeah, no one's. I backup. Everyone's shooting the score. Right? That's, yeah. Hachi, what's your? Yeah, point? no. I'm the same as Pauly. Uh, it makes sense now why my stick is so much bigger. Like the pocket in my stick is so much bigger is because now D guys are just pounding at five hole. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same as Pauly. Um, I've, I've lived both uh, now, and um, the first two minutes of the the warm up, I I'd like to feel it a little bit, but then it's kind of you guys have free reign on wherever you're you're gonna shoot. Uh, but to the horseshoe, like uh, Paulie said, we talked about it last time. Fieldsy has two different shots. The first one is low to the glove, and then when the backup goalie gets in, it's high to the the chin, and that's just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it is, and you gotta. You got to take it as as it is, but yeah. Now I get the lo- the low glove, and Doug Buckin gets the high to the chin. So, uh, and that's a that's a tall man. That's a high chin. That we're <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He was. Uh, it was actually funny. We were uh, we did court this weekend, and uh, field. We were going around the room, and I just put five dollars for headshot for Fieldsy. He's like, I didn't hit anybody in the head this week. I was like, that's just like, that's for like what's going to happen. Uh, in the next couple of weeks because we know what's <laughs> going to happen eventually. Yeah. yeah well, he's Andy, just put, he's, he just put 50 bucks in just for the year. Just say, here's my, yeah. here's my yearly down total. payment. Like the, the McGillney missing practice check, Paulie. Like, yeah, like, all right, yeah here's, exactly. Here's my I guarantee. It's here's, happen. Yeah. I'm exactly. not changing. Here's, here's my 50 sheet. Just, just um, pay because we know what's going to happen eventually. Like, yeah. And he, I mean, he also, our, our, Bless his damn heart. Our third goal with Dylan Sprints. Um, I think he. I think he got. He got put back about six reading levels after Fields. He got him in the melon one one practice. <laughs> I, I said in the room after. I don't. I haven't heard him talk since. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he and he came to pra- the next practice with a new helmet. So. I think yeah. He- yeah. 
he got the Donnie special. Just switch up to the most protective bucket. Hey, it works. Preserve, it works. Preserve, it works. <laughs> I still got my kicker out. He can just put a goalie mask on mine. Yeah. Let's get, let's go let's go back to uh, the Mimico days. Talk to us a little bit about. I've been hearing rumors about this uh, this spread you guys would have pregame. What what did that thing consist of? Oh yeah, uh, we we had a pretty good spread, and um, it started with just like fruit trays and whatnot. But it kind of grew over time in junior. It was fruit trays, and then um, Maggie and Jamie Tagurry, one of uh, the guys on our team, Josh Gurry. His parents would make uh, these chocolate chip banana muffins, and uh, I could bury about ten to fifteen of them before uh, we even got on the floor. Uh, and then I think it like it was crazy. It would sometimes there would be pizza out there, Donnie, and yep. sometimes there would be like my like you said last time there would be pork sandwiches from the the pregame <laughs> barbecue. Like our parents. One time would we pre-game. had like KFC too. One time there was like popcorn chicken. It was yeah. like, guys, this is awesome. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Like, they would have pregame barbecues, like our parents would, uh, out in the back alleyway of uh, Mimico. And then whatever they were cooking on the barbecue would slowly make our, our way to our snack table. And then Donnie, I think, would one time told my dad that he loved the, uh, like, candies that were on the table one time. And then the next, uh, next game, my dad came with this big, uh, jar full of, uh, Mike and Ike's, all the stuff that Donnie loved. And it was just, it was a great snack table. I'm just a high maintenance, I'm a high maintenance player. So yeah, still am, bro. still am today. That's where Donnie's got, his own, Donnie's got his own green room, green room requests for the snack table. <laughs> yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. But we, yeah, that's we never, we never had, uh, we never had sushi like we do in Rochester. That's the like one thing that we have on our snack table that is just, I would never. Dude, want I think. On well, I think this podcast might have rid, gotten rid of the uh, the sushi on the table because we talked about this like a few episodes ago, and ever since I remember, like Dauber made a comment about it to me, and and I don't think uh, I don't think it's been back since. And we've had like the beef jerky and the fruit and like everything that we started talking about. So we've got some hidden influence there. Yeah, I've never I never seen sushi on a table until I walked into the room and. I don't think it ever got eaten. Like, Polly, did you ever get on? No, I never it did, dude. It always got <laughs> eaten, but like, you wouldn't see it like eaten pregame. And all of a sudden, you'd come like after the game, and like half the roll was missing, and you're just like, "Who's the psychopath that had some of this <laughs> yeah. gas station sushi?" Like, exactly, because it, it was definitely sitting in the gas station for three or four oh, days and before. then it'd be sitting on the table it wouldn't even be even in the fridge it'd be on the table exactly. like, in a hot locker oh. <laughs> yeah it's like oh my god i i, I kind of like asked this is an anecdotal story but we had a client meeting and so i ordered a bunch of sushi and i thought like the meeting was supposed to end at 5 30 and the meeting ended up going to 7 30 and i just had the sushi in like sitting in the room and afterwards nobody nobody touched it because it was basically the raw fish got cooked in a hurry and there was just sitting in a hot boardroom just getting ready to go but um maybe uh maybe we'll jump on to kind of like the 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 fast forward to the mentor run because we've had you for for a while here we want to get into some mental health stuff too but um what's uh what are the memories that you've got from from that run uh i guess just like the the playoff series uh to get us there uh against brampton it was a battle um we i don't think we were kind of expected to get there we kind of made the moves at the deadline to to get andrew q which helped uh 
but yeah, that, that series was battle. We, um, we took them to game five and it was, it was a weird year because usually the Minto cup host gets a automatic buy to the, the Minto cup. So we played Brampton and before the playoffs started, there was a big thing about how they, they said they didn't want to automatic buy to the, the Minto cup. They wanted to earn their way to the Ontario final. And we took that uh, a little personally and, we were like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna end that uh, we're gonna end their season at home, and uh, it was a battle. Like you've heard this on the podcast before, uh, there was the the fight that ensued bef- even before the uh, the series started, and um, then we we played Six Nations in the uh, Ontario final, uh, but at that point we had already um, clinched our spot into the Minto Cup. Uh, and then the Minto Cup was in Brampton, and it was a grind. But like I like I said before, uh, there was a bunch of good teams. Like um, we played Coquitlam, they had Delbs and Net. Uh, Six Nations had Audi, uh, Bomber, um, Dugby and Net. And then um, the team from Calgary was pretty good too. They had uh, they had Orly and Net. And I'm sure they had a, a couple guys that uh, have gone on to to play. So Brett it was Craig, a pretty uh, sure, among other yeah, guys. That's I think uh, Brett Craig was the one I was just about to to point out there. But yeah, they they had a good team, and it was a battle of uh, a Minto Cup. Um, but yeah, I think we lost in the semifinals to uh, Coquitlam, which was uh, a heartbreaker. But it was a it was a great experience, uh, something that. Uh, we were looking back on and it was pretty special because not many people get to play in the Minto cup and it was pretty cool experience to, to do it uh, in the way we did. Was that your last year Hutch? No, that was my second last year. So growing up uh, our team in Mimico kind of was a little bit better when we played with the uh, age above us, which had Tanner Thompson uh, on that team. So uh, we we kind of loaded that year to to try and win a, a Minto Cup together, and um, ultimately came short. But uh, it was it was that year kind of that I think we had the best shot of winning the Minto Cup. So we went all yeah. in there, and um, yeah, yeah. The next year we, we kind of like couldn't get our act, like we just the next year just kind of just didn't go our way. We we just weren't great the whole year. I think it was a bit of like a we didn't win the championship, but you know, kind of like a little bit of like a hangover type vibe. And then we ended up, we got the uh, the break of all breaks. We played Bram, we played Brampton in the playoffs, and Teeter was at the World Championships with Team Canada in Israel, and uh, and we lost to Brampton. I think if we got through, we we had a chance because we were starting to play some good ball. And you know, yeah. credit to Brampton, we had just beat them the year before. They got Stephen Orleman in that year, and and they beat us without Jeff, which is obviously. Um, you know they they deserved it, so they they uh, that was another really fun and, series that went all the way. Around. And is that when they went to the Minto out west? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That okay. was the year they gotcha. they went. Yeah, that first series. Uh, yeah, we like John Johnny just said there. We we were peaking, and uh, ultimately they they played uh, played great. I think Clark Clark kind of uh, stepped up the way he should have in that series and. He uh, he helped them through to the next round, and then they got Teeter back. And Teeter in junior was just 
a different different animal. He's, he was great. So yeah. Well, he's pretty good in our league too. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's, still, he's still great. But yeah, yeah no, I got to, yeah, I got I got to play against Teeter growing up the whole time. So he's been in my night in my nightmares for a long time. So it's it's funny, Hutch. We uh we used to play. I've told this story on the pod before, but you know he used to throw those floaters. He still does, but he used to throw the floaters all the time in junior. I remember, just like as an old guy, you're just like. Come on, Hutch. Just like fucking be patient. Like it's not even moving. And then we played three by my my last year of uh, at Cornell. So it's it was like just uh, like no gear, tennis balls, and it's a three on two. So every whenever the ball switches possession, one guy's got to go in net. We play on box goals, and he's I was in net, and he threw the floater on me one time, and I was like, that was like that was fucked. <laughs> like all right, I, I apologize for everything I ever said about Hutchie. That was insane. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it was the it's the craziest release because you sit on it and you sit on the short side where he's going to put it, and then he puts it posted in on the far side, and you're like, oh, I just sat on it because you threw four floaters past me, and then uh, yeah, he's just a he has a great release and it's it's a tough shot to stop. Um, last thing on on Mimico because uh, it's funny is tell the story about about Subak and uh, kill him in the name of. Yeah, so uh, there was he would uh, throw on this pregame pregame song. I talked about it last time, "Killing in the Name of," and it had a pump up to it, and it would it would start slow, so everybody had their time to prepare and get ready for it. But when the the beat finally dropped, he would turn the to music all the way up to the max on the speaker, and then he would just beat the shit out of the the whole room. He would smash the snack table he would hit the garbage can and just um, stuff, basically. yeah he would the the amount of ceiling tiles we went through in junior is just <laughs> yeah. ridiculous i think in our fifth year the arena guy finally was like you know what we just won't fix them until the end of the the summer because he <laughs> yeah, would smash yeah. ceiling tiles and yeah the the guys would prepare for it too they would take the garbage can out or the garbage bag out of the garbage can so that way the garbage wouldn't go all over the room and our equipment manager wouldn't have to, to clean it up. But yeah, he would take the garbage can at the end of it and throw it down. There was an alleyway in, uh, in Mimico and he would throw it all the way down the alleyway. And it was just, it was, uh, it was a fun, uh, fun pregame for sure. I love how it's like, I love how they would just adjust to make it a life a little bit easier for them on the cleanup rather than be like, Hey man, like stop doing that. <laughs> well, they tried, it's, they tried. And, yeah. yeah. Ocal, our, our team president comes in, in one day, uh, Hachi told last week, but he's got a cigarette in his mouth and he's, I think Tolly was still our coach and he just goes, Tolly, I'm fucking trading him. I'm fucking trading him. I don't care. I'm trading him right now. And Sumi was like, you know, our, uh, uh, like one of our captains, like definitely like our heart and soul leader. Like if you know Subi, he's one of the best teammates around. It was like, we're not trading him. Like he should probably stop breaking the garbage can. But, like we're not going to, we're not going to trade this guy. Like, and oh man, it was so classic. And I just remember Ocal being like, if you keep destroying team property, like we're going to fucking freak out. You're gone. Yeah. That, that story that Donnie was saying that he was yelling at Toller telling that he was going to trade him. Well, like blowing smoke in my face. I'm trying to get ready for a game, and the smoke's just. <laughs> I'm like, I have fucking trade you. It's like, oh my god. I'm trying to prepare here. Yeah, that's awesome. But um, 
let's let's move into um, into NL, NLL here. Um, again, we've had you for a while, but um, walk us through the uh, walk us through the draft process. How'd all that go down? Yeah, so uh, I was I was like I said last time. There was the the combine um, that uh, the NLL has, and I went to it as the like last goalie. There was a a sixty year old there, like I was saying. Um, but yeah, I went through the combine and at the time they would have uh, team meetings. So I met with Georgia. Um, I met with Buffalo and, um, I got the, like I said, last time, the, um, the questionnaire from Doug Locker. And, uh, I had no clue that, uh, Toronto was even, uh, kind of in the mix. Um, but then, uh, so the combine happened one day. I think the draft was two or three days later, and it was at the track. Um, so uh, I, I had full intentions of uh, being picked um, by Buffalo. Uh, and then my name was called at 30th uh, with Toronto, and it was kind of a, a dream come true because I had season tickets growing up, just like you guys probably had a, a love for uh, Toronto. and. Uh, yeah, so I got uh, picked there, and I, I wouldn't trade uh, my four years in Toronto for nothing. Uh, Jamie and the organization were like top-notch organization. Like Jamie cares so much about his players, and uh, it was a pretty special experience, especially being uh, from Toronto. We uh, we talked about this a little bit, obviously, last time. We've referenced this a million really times, saying last time, but... Um... Talk to us about your relationship with Rosie. Maybe touch on the uh, the side hobby that you've picked up since. Yeah, so uh, we uh, I had no I had no uh, idea about uh, card collecting until I, I came to to Toronto, and Rosie was big into it. And uh, there was one day uh, we were out um, after uh, our lunch, uh, game day lunch, and Rosie was like, "You want to go to Target? I have to pick up some." Uh, some hockey cards. I was like, yeah, sure. So while I was there, I grabbed a couple box and then like throughout the time, uh, in, in Toronto, we just became like sports card collectors. And, uh, he, he kind of showed me the ropes on, uh, how to collect cards, how to grade cards, what they're worth. And, um, now we make it an annual event to go to the, uh, sports card expo in, in Toronto every year. Yeah. And just deal with the deal with the freaks. Donnie, you're yeah. on mute there, buddy. Donnie, you're muted. I just said I, I want to come this year. Uh, I think I think I'm in. I I, I gotta yeah. see like experience this for myself. Yeah, the the wheel the wheeling and dealing that happens at that that place. I'm sure some of these guys would be great jams in our league because <laughs> like there's like sometimes where you're you're just sitting there and it's more of a show. Like I I'm not a big trader. Like I like collecting them and just like holding on to them. Uh, but some guys go to this, uh, these events and they're, they're sitting at a booth for like 20, 30 minutes, just trying to, to come, uh, come away with a card that this guy has. And it's, it's crazy just to sit there and just hear the, the conversations that are happening. Um, but like I said, last time there was one deal Rosie, Rosie made and he had like six or seven, uh, rookie cards of hockey guys. And he was trying to get the Austin Matthews one and the, the one guy was coming back with offers and Rosie was going back with other offers. And then next thing you know, Rosie has like three brand new box of hockey cards and the Austin Matthews rookie card. I was like, how did that just happen? Like, <laughs> it's crazy to, to sit there and 
see these things but like yeah, some guys tell you to get get lost too like there was uh rosie has this one card that he's been trying to get rid of for a, a little while now and this one guy was very interested in it but everything that he would offer rosie um the guy kind of like just like was like lowballing rosie and rosie was like no no and then the one at one point the guy was like all right i'm not interested get lost like he basically told us to take a hike and it's it's crazy i would be so bad at that i feel like like trying to how do you how do you quantify what's worth what like i don't know i feel like i would be awful being a gm too it's like trying to decide (laughs) if like okay like a third and fourth round pick is worth you know what i mean like how do you know especially with cards like there's so many other variables with with each individual card and you throw in different sports and things like that i feel like it would be so hard to quantify yeah so the first time we went to the uh expo i think rosie kind of was like all right like he didn't really know and then the next year we came back and rosie had like a a list of all the cards that he had brought to the expo and kind of what they were worth and what he was willing to give up to make sure that he he felt justified in the trade and yeah he was a lot more prepared the second time around which landed him that uh austin matthews rookie card but yeah the on eBay, it, it kind of like if you have the exact card that you want to get graded or want to sell, it kind of tells you the price range on which it's worth and how you go about doing it. Tell us about the uh, the Tim Hortons uh, thing, the Tim Hortons cards, because a lot of people yeah. think they're not worth anything, but there's there's like rare versions that are actually worth a lot. Yeah, so every year the Tim Hortons puts out these cards, and uh, they they come in like different sets so like you'll get a card in each uh, pack that's worth something different so the first two cards are typically like your base set which are worth like 25 cents to like 10 cents depending on the guy but then the middle card of that pack um is kind of what is worth something so those could range from anywhere between a dollar to like 45 dollars and those are the different uh types of sets that are in amongst that and then you get the rare cards so like i said last time i got a a wayne gretzky uh rare version of the tim's card uh that's worth 600 bucks so the (laughs) the packs that you you give to your kids and think that they're worth nothing there could be a 600 card just getting folded in the back of your car (laughs) yeah yeah, like you sit in the back of your rag. car has different <laughs> connotations yeah. to different people. Yeah. <laughs> me, I gotta put my gum in something. Give me that card. Yeah. <laughs> break it in half. Um, what um, what would you say that you kind of like learned in that you know that time in in Toronto? What would you say you learned most about kind of yourself as a goalie, and then you know about the game too. Yeah, I, I learned so much um, just from Nick as well. Like there there was the off-floor stuff, but the on-floor stuff, Rosie kind of really, really instilled in me that it's okay to uh, to get scored on in runs. And that was the biggest thing that I think I, I lacked coming into the NLL is, is that you're going to get scored on and you're going to get scored on three, four, maybe five times in a row, but it's okay that our team's probably going to score three, four, five in a row at some point in the game and limiting those runs and just staying even keel the whole time. And I think you can, you can see that in Rosie's mentality is that 
um, you play the same way, no matter what type of situation uh, is going on. And um, that's why he's the, the one of the best goalies in uh, the NLL right now. And I owe a lot to him and I kind of am using that now as a starting goalie for Rochester. It's just l- staying even keel because we're going to get scored on and it's, it's going to happen in bunches sometimes and just kind of playing the same way that you would the whole time type thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a good, a good little, uh, a good little segue for us. Like walk us through kind of everything that, that went down from your perspective with the, uh, with the trade to Rochester. Yeah. So um, obviously I got left unprotected um, in the expansion draft uh, when Vegas was coming into the league. And uh, I got a call from Willie uh, about a week before the draft, basically telling me that I was going to come down to Vegas and kind of play for them. And um, then about three or four days after that, um, Willie had called me again and said, listen, there was a trade that, uh, Rochester had um, proposed to me and I couldn't refuse it. So we're going to trade you to uh, Rochester. And then about a couple minutes later, Dan Carey uh, reached out to me and kind of explained that he had traded for me and the situation that I'd be coming into in Rochester. And um, yeah, so that, that kind of was the expansion draft trade. And um, I'm, I'm super thankful that it kind of happened that way now. And, uh, I love Rochester and just the the team we have, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously now you know playing with with Ralphie, um, you guys, I would say you're both you know very different styles of playing goalie, and um, nobody's the same. Uh, nobody's the same style of human as as that guy. So what? Maybe maybe talk about yeah. talk about your relationship with him a little bit. Yeah. So. Before I came to Rochester, I was a little nervous because the Ralphie I knew coming into the uh, into Rochester was the I don't touch a line on the floor, I don't fist bump any other goalies. I am a just like just a weirdo, like any other goalie. Uh, but then the first uh, practice, I think it was he was saying stuff in the dressing room and he was opening up and just the over time the the person that I've got to know is is a wild one but someone that uh I love to be around and he's the ultimate uh team guy I think he has a way of speaking to every teammate and he'll tell you how it is type thing uh but he gets a laugh out of out of everybody in the dressing room and he is a a top-notch person but he is the type of person that'll tell you how it is and he doesn't care how you you feel about it all time donnie you got anything yeah. else you want to want to walk through before we wrap her up i think just just the jersey number why why do you wear uh the number that you wear and and what's the kind of story behind that yeah it's just uh back when i started playing i i got three options it was i think 29 uh double zero or one and i i chose one so it kind of stuck with me since the peewee playing days and that's kind of i've never kind of ventured away from it so have you ever you've never had it like since you've been in the league that somebody else has one or whatever like you've always pretty much had it yeah no uh fortunate enough 
uh, I haven't had that. Uh, the when I was coming to Rochester, actually, there was a guy on the team at the time. He was wearing number one. Um, so I texted uh, Ripper when he asked me my jersey number. I was like, I would love number one if you could send me the guy's uh, number. I'd like to just like see if I could get it off him type thing. And Ripper said, don't worry. I don't think he'll be a part of the team next year. So I kind of <laughs> – Ripper's ruthless. Yeah, I kind of I felt bad in uh in a in a sense but like at the same time yeah i never had a i never had the chance to talk to someone to get that number so i've been lucky to have it every time i've gone to a, a new team probably probably Same wasn't there. so lucky cost probably a couple of parks this year yeah <laughs> haven't um, haven't been taken up on it yet but i do owe a dinner to a noah rebar so at some point I own my dinner, but he's he's just waiting for you oh. guys to go to wherever the most expensive city is. Yeah, exactly. A nice little steak somewhere. Who knows? Yeah, Vegas. Expensive. Probably go to Vegas. Yeah, One of those yeah. new casinos that just opened up. Fifteen thousand dollars steak. Yeah. <laughs> Hell's, Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay's actually feeding it to us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have a funny story about that Vegas. Uh, uh, hell's kitchen we uh we went down there last year and played and so we stayed afterwards and um with the family we went and we had a dinner there and um i was sitting down and the lady kept on bringing us bottled water and it it was great water and so we never had the option at the beginning to kind of like do you want uh water pop type thing she kind of just kept on bringing this this water and every time we would finish it she would ask us again if we wanted this water and the bill came at the end of the the meal and we were charged like 60 bucks for this water and it was ridiculous like they never told us about anything they never explained to us that this water was um being charged but yeah i was guzzling this water thinking it was free and i ended up having to pay 60 bucks for it <laughs> best water you ever had though best yeah. water yeah good margins for them on that they just yeah. they just poured it out of the tap yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it was filtered though, so it's all good. Yeah. Hey, he said it was good. Yeah, it was. It was the best water I've ever had, actually. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Hutchie, thanks for taking the time, man. Obviously, it was uh, two separate hours we took out of your time. So, um, the second one sounds like it went well. And and again, appreciate uh, appreciate you taking the time. It was fun, man. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Like I said last time, I appreciate what you guys do. You get me to to and from Rochester sometimes, and it is, uh, it's a great thing you guys are doing, so keep it up. All right. That was the Cookie Monster, Hutchie. Um, a great little interview. A little bit of audio, back and forth issue, but that's okay. Um, we're all about problem solving. Maybe you didn't, can't even notice because Donnie's got cool AI stuff that he can fix it with. Yeah, or um, it's not Riley Oshcraft. <laughs> or you're just getting banter this week. Yeah. <laughs> or you're getting a 25-minute episode. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm i just thinking back to, Paul, your comment. I don't know if I want to do the love, the love life walkthrough right now. Cause- <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm saying that to myself you're serious? all the time. I, I mean, I thought no, you were serious because I used to do that a little bit, but um, 
No, but she always is like texting me and like being like, "Hey, what's like, what's going on with Dan?" I'm like, "Jesus." I can give you more updates. I can give you updates. I can give you offline updates because I yeah, there's just there's a little bit of most maybe Grizzy. You know, I don't know. We'll have to (laughs) watch. Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one. I don't think I need to. I guess the other other things to kind of the old bull. And wants a young calf. <laughs> What's that from? Step brothers. Step brothers. Step brothers. Um, okay, so I had it, I had it in the notes about the my biggest fear story. So th- this is uh this is like a vintage Donnie being an idiot story. So um, we talked last week about how I'm scared of birds. So I'm scared of birds, right? It's it's a thing. So we were doing um. I had to do the media day at the start of the year. I don't think I told this in podcast, but it's taught me if I had. So I'm, I was doing like this little interview thing with with Ashley Docking, and she was like, "Okay, we're gonna kind of like rotate between like some quick hitters and some longer questions." So we're going, and it's like a couple of them are like easy, like you know, pregame music and stuff, and some of them are like thoughts on the Olympics, thoughts on like the lacrosse community, some deeper questions. So she asked me, "What's your biggest fear?" And I went on this like long answer about like my biggest fear is like letting people down who believe in me and stuff. And I think she meant like, like sharks or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I have one like, like pigeons is like, I'm just like terrified of pigeons. And that's like a funny thing. And after I was like, Oh, and I, I, I mean, you guys don't, I get talking, I kind of get on a roll, but I was just like, I don't think that's what she was looking for. Not only, not only do you get on, like you'll get on a roll. I think all of us get on a roll when we start talking, but my favorite thing is picturing right now. I'm picturing you leaving that interview, sitting in the car and being like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I I just know what she meant. I overthought this. This is ridiculous. She's going to think I'm a nerd. I should have just said I'm scared of pigeons. I was like, I said like such a pussy, like letting people down, like shut up. Like it's lacrosse, you know, like, like. Listen, I'm just scared of birds. <laughs> how, did you, how did you become scared of birds? I don't know. I never had a bad experience or anything. It's just, um, you know, previous something. life, you got killed by a hawk or something. Yeah. So, but like, I'll, I'll, like, I'll walk, <laughs> I'll like um, cross the road. If there's like a group of pigeons there, like I'll, I'll cross the road and walk on the other side of the street. Me mugging you, hey, poor pigeons. And the pigeons yeah. in Toronto don't give a fuck. No, city totally. pigeons are not. Oh, and that, that's like my worst. City pigeons are my worst one. And like, like if you ever go to like a big, like a beach town where the seagulls are really aggressive, like kind of like same thing. Buddy, um, that pelican situation would have eaten you alive. These I would, I would have left. I would like that actually would have, like I would have not been. Does that give, like when you're watching that video, does that give you anxiety? Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause that's the same thing like with snakes with me. Like when I watch like snake videos, like I just like start like getting the heebie jeebies. I'm just like, Oh God, it like just freaks me out. Yeah. I think, I think my theory is that, or like my opinion is that everyone's entitled to one, uh, like irrational fear. So like, not like everyone's would be afraid of like a great white shark. Right. It's like, everyone's entitled to be more scared of something than they should be. Um, so like rats or or like spiders and mine is mine's pigeons. Uh, dude, I'm. I hate walking up basement stairs. Okay. Okay. Um, like that's just called laziness. No, no, <laughs> that's not what I mean. I just love staying like, by the beer fridge. <laughs> so the you no, know, like if it's like an un, like my parents have an unfinished basement, and 
Yeah, it was like, like when you like go down trying to get back up. And all the lights to like really light up the basement are in the basement, are down yeah, there. Yeah. So you have to turn them off and then go up the stairs. Fuck that. Yeah. It is funny. Like speaking of that, I just was scrolling on like Instagram and it's like had this picture, like my most irrational fear. And it's a giant swimming pool, indoor swimming pool, but then a shark in it. <laughs> and like I had that same one when I was younger. Like I used to love swimming, but then like you dive off like the big diving board and like one of the Olympic pools. And I'm just like, get out, get out, get out, get out. There's a shark here. Get out, get out. It's like you can clearly see there's no shark in the water, but like you're yeah. in there, like, get out, there's a shark in here. Oh my god, get out. That's awesome. This is this is gold. Um I guess uh, the last part is this damn NIL nominee. Like, I know we're, we're going to have to give it to, right? Yeah. There's no I – mean, Well, there's the, – I mean – At least it, the first one. It's a fucking argument. He's leading the nation in goals. Well, I think we should put – I think what we should do is put out uh, some nominees and we'll let the, let the people vote on it. Okay. okay. So, well, at least we have one nominee ready. So, I think let's, let's do the nominees. We'll do the no- – yeah, Cormier, I'm good with that. Uh, my uh, – my and then uh, Kyle Playstead just set the goals record at Bellarmine, so I think he should be in there. Okay, and then Firth. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. Let's let's think about the fourth. Okay, one, we'll I do think. some research. Donnie wants to take it away from a Cornell guy. That's awesome. I can't believe we clip it. Um, okay, <laughs> I think that does that pretty much do it for us this week. Yeah, keep an eye on our socials. You'll see some voting links. Yep, and one more plug. I told him I'd do this. If you're in the GTA and you need your house painted, you you reach out to me and I'll give my old man Pete the painter um, your contact information because he's uh, he's he's open open and look he's got some time in between jobs um, before big one kind of starts up. So if you need something painted, reach out to me. Bunch of NLLers have had it done. Alex Krepensek, Dan McRae, I'm pretty sure. Um, Hold on, is Pete, the painter, is Pete the painter paying for this ad? What are Oh yeah. Heavy. Okay. Heavy. Yeah. We're getting, we're getting a percentage of every job that comes from it. It's more of a, a commission role. So okay. we'll, uh, we might be able to, to really screw them on that actually. Um, but, uh, but yeah, reach out if you, if you need anything, you guys got anything else before we, uh, before we shut it down? Nah, buddy. Okay. All right. Well, I'll text you guys about my, uh, my shenanigans, but <laughs> thanks for listening. Episode 110 back the bird. We'll chat with you next week. Peace.